When I um, started preparing for tonight, it's uh, quite amusing, I find it, how much it changes and evolves as you develop something. And uh, what I started with and what I have now aren't exactly the same thing, but it's good. Um, what I ended up calling my message tonight, the title of it was hum is Humbled Before God. So um, just something I really wanted to look closer in at and uh, hopefully I can share something with you tonight that I got out of it. So I'll just open in a word of prayer as we look at um, into God's word. And Dear Lord, we just thank you for this time that we can all be here tonight, Lord, and we thank you for your word. And I pray that as we look into it, Lord, that you would help me to uh, not be nervous and just to be able to expound something from your word tonight lord we thank you for it we thank you for who you are lord and that you have given us so much lord and that we have so much to look forward to lord and we thank you for each one here tonight and we pray in jesus name amen, amen. yes so as i said the title is humbled before god and um when we when we think of god um who is he in our minds is he someone we respect someone we fear, someone we reverence, someone you love? Is he someone you offer praise to? Is he all of the above or is he more like a casual friend you speak to, someone you occasionally say hello to or chat with, someone to share your shopping list, as it were, style prayer or something you can only turn to when things go wrong? Our understanding of God affects how we perceive him. If we only have a little knowledge of God or a wrong knowledge of him, then we're at risk of having incorrect understanding of who he is. And this will affect our relationship with him. There are many religions and cults around because people have rejected the truth of God and replaced it with a lie. They've made a God... Um, to be a God that they are comfortable with, someone to give them basically a warm, fuzzy feeling who ticks all their boxes. They, they even make God to fit their lifestyle or culture, which is a big thing today. Just the other week, we had a couple of um, JWs come to our door and as we were talking to them and just cheering verses and that, it quickly we quickly saw that their picture of who God was was very different to the God that we know in the Bible. And after we spoke to them, we sat down and we were going through a few things we have on different people on them and it was um, really interesting where they came from and just how somebody just invented up. Um, they didn't like things like hell and heaven and they, uh, Russell, whatever his name was, I've forgotten his last name now, just decided to omit it and it was just amazing how things like that get started and people just believe and that it's so important to have a proper understanding to learn about who God is. How does God describe himself? God in his word is declared to have many different attributes and I quickly realised it was going to be impossible to cover all of God's attributes and do any kind of justice for it. The entire Bible is pretty much God revealing himself to us. So tonight I'm just going to look at a few different things. And I listed a few of his attributes here. I'm just going to read through a couple of them. 
God is love, God is good, he's just, true and merciful, immortal and eternal. And when you read through things like this, you've got to remember that he is the purest and truest sense of any of these attributes. So we have ideas of good and just and things like people we interact with and things like that. But when it comes to God, he's just... Um, it's a part of discovering him, his attributes, what the true sense is. A few more is he is unsearchable, which I found out means he's, uh, his wisdom is not fully comprehensible to us as humans, basically. He's omnipotent, which is um, unlimited power, and we can see that in creation, just how he spoke it all into being and just with the word of his mouth. He's omniscient, meaning he knows all. He's omnipresent, which means he's everywhere. He never sleeps or slumbers. Um, he's immutable, which means he never changes. And that in itself, I think, is amazing, just knowing myself how much I change over time and how um, people around us change. Um, it's a real comfort to know God never changes. He's holy. And uh, that's even a difficult one, getting a grasp of. In the dictionary, it says it's sacred, set apart, uh, revered and divine, but that doesn't quite at all capture what God is when it says he's holy. It's, he's, it's an, a way of saying he's perfect and pure. Um, he's wise, righteous, gracious, faithful, long-suffering and compassionate. And there's so many more um, attributes that God has but it's just um, I could spend a lot of time just reading through them all when we focus on God and meditate on him in his word we can be humbled and that's something when we look at God and we focus on him um, it humbles us we see who he is and what we aren't I want us to evaluate how we approach God when we communicate with him. That's basically what I was starting at and then I realised um, there's so much more to it than just communicating with God. It's our whole heart attitude. When we talk to God, how do we go about it? Do we talk down to him? Do we talk up to him like an equal? Or do we look up to him? Or are we so humble by the thought that we uh, that he would even consider us? Do we humbly come before his feet and with complete and utter adoration and appreciation for all he does for us? Only you can really know this. It's a heart attitude and God obviously knows our heart. In the book of Luke, chapter 18, there is a parable and you can turn there if you want. For I'll just read a few verses. Um, the Lord told of two men who prayed. One man was a Pharisee, a religious leader in Israel. He would have been respected by all the people. The other was a publican or a tax collector. One of the lower people in Israel wouldn't have had much respect at all of the people. In Luke chapter 18 from verse 9 through to 14, I'll just read these couple of verses. And he, the Lord speaking here, spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves and they were, that they were righteous and, des and despised others. 
And he, addressing the Pharisees, he was addressing the Pharisees, sorry, two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I possess. Um, And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And the Lord said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. The tax collector's humility is noted in everything about his posture and behaviour when he prayed to God. He knew the reality of his own sin. His prayer to God was humility and repentance. He is a contrast to the Pharisee in basically everything. The Pharisee was proud and self-confident in his own works. And um, a commentator I found on this said, when we compare ourselves to ourselves, we get proud. When we compare ourselves to God, it humbles us. Luke 5 records when Jesus encountered Peter with James and John, who the Lord chose as his disciples. And if you want to read with me in Luke chapter 5 and from verse 1 through to 11, I'll just share that um, event that happened there. Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 11. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of uh, Gennesaret. I should have read that a bit more. And the two ships standing by the lake... Uh, but the f- but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's or Peter's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, and that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both of the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. These couple of basically tough fishermen had a glimpse of the power of God and it humbled them. Peter said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And you can see his reaction to that, just in what he said there. He straight away, it focused him on himself and he just knew that he wasn't 
worthy to even be in the same boat with the Lord. So often in scripture, when a man comes in contact with God and they evaluate themselves in the light of God, it humbles them. And a, a, uh, another reference here I wanted to compare it to, Isaiah saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple and then the post of the door was moved and the house was filled with smoke. And Isaiah, and Isaiah, who was so humbled, said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And Isaiah was a prophet for the Lord to the people, and one of his jobs was to prophesy and preach. And um, even Isaiah, Isaiah when he... Um, said this here he said he was a man of unclean lips and it's just amazing that even a man that god had called like that that's what he he basically saw that even his own lips and the people's lips were unclean and remembering job as well god said of job to satan there is none like him in the earth a perfect and upright man one that feareth god and estueth evil Job was a humble man and God boasted of him to Satan. God then called Job to suffer for him, to glorify himself. And after it all, when God had finished um, talking to Job at the end of the book of Job, Job replied to God and said, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee. Wherefore, I abhor myself and I repent in dust and ashes. And you can see again Job um, having spoken or the Lord spoken to him. He was just humbled. And Job is just one of those men in the Bible that I read. And it's just amazing what God put him through the suffering. And yet um, he came through it like that. And God blessed him for it. When we read God's word and compare ourselves to God, to Jesus Christ, it will humble us. In John chapter 4, 24, it says, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the phrase here, God is a spirit, means that he is invisible unlike man, the physical nature of man. Man can never comprehend the invisible God unless he revealed himself to us, which he has through his word and through his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, which was the word made flesh. Um, in Hebrews chapter 4, uh, chap Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 to 16, it says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto his eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin." Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and grace to help in time of need. 
Um, being humble in today's society is not seen as a virtue. Um, it's more of a weakness. Being proud is more of a thing they hold up and they think it's good to be proud. And we see that in our workplaces. We see it um, in, our, in ourselves. It's just a sinful part of us. We can go right back to Satan when he spoke or thought in heaven what he would do to overcome God. And you can just see the pride from the very beginning, how it came up. Um, what he said there, he would exalt himself above the Most High. Um, pride is completely opposite to what God wants of us. So in the world today, if you go out and you've got a lot of pride and you hear that, you know, we're proud of this or, you know, the way of life or different things, you know, they uphold it as something good. It's completely opposite to what God expects of us. God blesses people that are humble and that's a real challenge because it's just something that we're confronted with, um, pride and humility in our everyday life. It says in James chapter 4, verse 6, God resisteth the proud, but he gives grace unto the humble. So if we see that in ourselves, and it's more often than not easier to see it in others than in ourselves, it's very difficult to see pride in yourself. Um, um, God, it says God will resist us, and that's something we don't want. We want God to hear us and to be open to our prayers and to be open to us. Um, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 4, it says, Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So there's sort of a picture there where um, when we humble ourselves, where we become great in the kingdom of heaven, which um, I heard um, one commentary I was reading on humility, how... Um, people you think who will be great or who will be blessed the most in heaven and it seems to say people that uh, suffer or people that go through humility and the greatest humility and we know who will be exalted the most in glory the Lord because I don't think anyone could ever compare to God's humbling being God and coming and becoming a man like that was uh, such a humbling thing uh, to do that, it was just a, I thought that was an interesting thought there. First um, Peter chapter five, verse five to six says, uh, "Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject to one another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble." Verse six says. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Um, when we go to God in prayer, let us come boldly, but with humble hearts, to the throne of grace and mercy. And when we look through the Bible, so many great men that we see that God used and blessed throughout it, they were humbled. Um, I don't think you'll find anyone in the Bible that God was able to use and basically glorify himself. Well, God can do anything, but great men of the Bible that he used that were proud, they were all humble. So, um, yeah, I hope you got something from that. Thank you.